You're listening to the New Century Multiverse. Arlington Remastered. Part 2 The Search Begins. Chapter 13 The Imperative From the Journal of Thomas W. Arlington, District of Columbia, March 4th, 1883 I'm starting a vox tube. Sarah, if you would. Thank you, Conrad, and all of you for coming down here so quickly. All right, I'll keep this to what we know right now, bearing in mind new information is coming in every few hours. At approximately 3.35 p.m. yesterday, in Lancaster, Ohio, Vice President Rutherford B. Hayes was in the opening salvo of a carefully prepared address to the city. From what we know, proceedings were interrupted when a creature of indeterminate origin... A Cindo. Thank you, Jeremy. That's the code word at Unicorn Branch. ...made an unceremonious entrance upon the scene and began attacking both the locals and our assembled troops. Jeremy, what species has it been reported as? All signs point to it being a manticore. Can you describe its physiology for us? A large lion, tail very similar to a scorpion's, barbed organic armor plates across its body and limbs. When you say large? Very large. Could it fit into this room? Just about, if you opened a window. Continue. We believe the males have bat-like wings, but it's really the tail you have to watch out for. It can launch a series of poisonous spines in just one of them. If it hits the neck or the heart, can kill a strong man. Needless to say, our strong men were unprepared for a cindo of this nature, as none had been documented in that region. They opened fire immediately, but after the skirmish we sustained 27 injuries and 14 deaths, including six of the citizens of Lancaster. Vice President Hayes was among the dead. McTavish, do we know the sequence of events there? Yes, we do, ma'am. According to our agents, the manticore unloaded its spines on our troops before diving in and devouring Hayes immediately. Oh, God. Apparently, it was over in three bites. Our white scarves got several shots off before it took to the sky and fled. I'll have Lucy Hayes informed immediately following this meeting. We're going to need some kind of funeral, even if there was nothing left of him. Mr. President, I think they need to know if we're going to proceed with this. Everybody, what's about to be said goes no further than this room. Agreed. Surgeon General, you have the floor. Regrettably for all of us, President Grant is suffering from throat cancer. (laughs) It's all right, Julia. How long have you known? Not long. I started experiencing pains, and figured whatever it was would all be better off knowing sooner rather than later. Carry on, Dr. Kaufman. I cannot be certain of how much time he has left. It could be a matter of months or even a year. It really all depends on how well rested he remains. In other words, I will not be able to stand for re-election in 84. Hayes was our fallback for these past few years, while another suitable candidate was being sought out. 
I believed he would continue the policies we began and carry on with our plan for America. Now we have no fallback and a ticking clock. So, Conrad, as White House Chief of Staff, what do you propose we do? Thomas, Sarah, we were already looking, but now we're going to need to call upon your department for aid. We don't want to use the public wire networks too much, and we're going to need to encode a lot of this. If word gets out that Grant's health is failing, it could seriously damage the chances of this administration's success when we're called upon to present plans for a strong future. What would you like us to do? Help us find the next president. A man who's going to keep you in business. Or woman. (laughs) Stranger things have happened. He's right, we have them on file. That's admirable solidarity there, young lady. I'm sorry, we've come a long way in a short time, but let's not overreach. You may as well get Dad to run. Put a pin in that. Arlington's, if you please. My apologies, sir. If I'm reading this correctly, we're to help find someone the people will look up to. Someone like yourself. Decorated, proven in battle. Who are you thinking, Truth? General Curtis. The magical solution to every problem. Truth, who's going to run the military? Curtis can choose his successor. The soldiers respect him. This has to be a name people know. I'm cautious of diverting major figureheads from one role to another. That, too, could be perceived as weakness. General Curtis is deep in the campaign. Far too much of what we're achieving right now, with the clearing of the Wendigos from the cities, hinges on him. Can I ask you all something? Has anyone else met with Joseph Tremaine yet? He was here in the White House yesterday, sizing up the place. I met with him last week. His people have been causing trouble since then, though. Never enough to bring any situation to a head. He must have them on a well-measured leash. That is one frightening, frightening man. But see, that's who I've been thinking of. That's our potential opposition. We need someone who can go up against that in a popular vote. Not many men who can command the same following as Tremaine walking the streets of Washington. And he's already well ahead before he even begins. Have you any idea what it takes to introduce actual love to a political campaign? This goes deeper. In peacetime, truth I concede. I can't imagine a better man to suggest as your successor, Mr. President. But we're at war today. We will be tomorrow. Say Tremaine does run for election next year, and he wins. All those loving followers ready to bear arms for him. And Lord knows how many fresh converts he would have made in that time. Who do you want in charge of our army at that point? I say we shouldn't dream of putting Curtis anywhere else, but heading up the military for as long as possible. Okay, so Nathaniel's out. We're all agreed on that, at least. We've got a rundown of all our agents in the field back at Langley. We'll get onto them over the wire as soon as we get back. Conrad, I'm going to need to know your encoding and exactly what these guys will be looking for. I mean, what are the requirements going to be? American-born, white... History of at least local government? To be honest, yes, all of those will be plus factors. Handsome, wealthy, connected. Married. Helps us keep the focus on family values. At the very least, if he's not married, there's less evidence he can cooperate with another adult on a daily basis. We'd have heard of him. Not necessarily. I'm telling you now, if such a man existed in any position of prominence, we would already have heard of him. He'd be on some kind of list. Wouldn't he now? Conrad. As it happens, yes, we have drawn up a list of candidates that come close to what we're describing here. Can you get your agents to investigate each of these men without... 
Well, I mean, can they be discreet? Of course they can. I'm not running the Pinkertons here. It's really important that none of these men feel like they're... Being appraised for their essential worth? Yes. Shall I check their teeth and backs? What? Of course not. Wouldn't want them to feel like livestock, would we? Sorry, Tom. That was pretty ham-fisted of me. Just work with us, and together we'll whittle this down. Maybe if we're lucky, find some men who haven't caught our attention yet. Meet with them. Maybe bring them over here for a talk. Let's assume they won't want to leave wherever they're based. Let's assume they're as entrenched as Curtis. I can visit with them. I don't want you traveling if you don't have to. Julia. I mean it. The less stress you put yourself through, the longer you've got with us. All right, bring them here. As the First Lady wishes. And we're in agreement, ma'am. Likewise. And I have some thoughts of my own to add to a situation we may have overlooked. Let's hear them. McTavish, in the reports on what happened in Ohio yesterday, did anybody see this enormous winged poisonous lion climbing the bell tower before it struck? Apparently not. Pines, how intelligent are the manticores we have on record? And really, in this, you have to tell us everything you know about them. Uh, two sightings. One in Massachusetts. That was a male, and it laid waste to a whole regiment of scouts that were camped down on the road towards Boston. Any possibility this was the same creature? They both had wings, they both had a rusty brown coat and a black mane, so the description matches up. I'm gonna say... feasibly? Level of intelligence? Sir? Could I play a game of chess with it? Oh, no! We're talking something like Mountain Lion here, just much bigger. This thing wasn't stopping to engage in conversation. And the other siding? That one was only seen from afar, apparently nesting in the Allegheny Mountain Range in West Virginia. This one didn't have wings or a mane. Then how did the scout know it wasn't a particularly large cougar? It'd have to be a very large one, sir, and it was black in color. Most importantly, though, it appeared to have that plated exoskeletal armor. Our scout did not approach, though, most likely having heard what happened outside of Boston. Now, why I'm asking is, do you think a creature of this kind could be controlled? By us? By a third party. Uh, I mean, most animals can be tamed or trained to some degree. Is it possible? Yes. So this cinder we believe to have the brain of a bear turns up in an area one like it has never been witnessed before, swoops in to kill a high-ranking government official, and then flees the scene. You think this was an assassination? I do. If this were a wild beast attacking civilians, say if we disturbed its habitat, or if it came prowling for food, it would have run riot, not made its way in complete secrecy to the city center, and targeted one specific man. We would have seen or heard its approach, and it would almost certainly have been too confused and alarmed to get away as cleanly as it had come. Add to that the incident on the road to Boston in which only two scouts lived to describe the creature. Not only does this sound like an assassination, it sounds like a brazenly exotic one. Somebody is sending this administration a message. That they can get to us. Beyond that. This could have been here in Washington. If one controls a manticore, why should one fear an army? Hayes was pushing against the boundaries of the territories we reunified. I think someone doesn't want us moving any further. Have your agents in the field conduct a full investigation? They started at 3.45 yesterday. Thank you, Thomas. 
Mr. President, with all this in mind, I'd like to suggest upping security for the foreseeable future. I'll have my agents keep their ears to the ground for any whisper of conspiracy, especially concerning Tremaine. Did you meet with him personally? Not yesterday. I wasn't up to it. He waited a while, though, didn't he? I slept for several hours, and he was still in the lobby. Yes. Eventually, I had to have him and his people escorted from the building. Why didn't I think of that? Are you going to meet with him in the near future? I can't put it off forever. Then I'll be present, and I'll bring my sharpshooter along. We can't afford to take risks. All right. Settle down, everyone. Now we all know why we're doing this. We have been granted the privilege by the American people to serve them in their hours of need. If we are blessed by good fortune, then these are the darkest days our species shall ever face. Our determination remains to unify those lost souls out there, to bring them together and gain strength from one another. What we face, our toughest enemies, beyond the Wendigo and these other strange creatures roaming our lands, are apathy, complacency, self-interest. There is a risk that another prospective president may not see the value of our struggle, may in fact encourage these weaker aspects of our humanity in the greater population. Because though we like it or not, those human frailties will, in effect, keep us safe for a while. It is safer not to venture outside our walls. It is safer to keep all of our supplies to ourselves. And it is safer not having to cross paths with those who do not see things our way. Make no mistake, Director Arlington is right in his thinking. If public opinion is swayed towards self-interest, then at this crucial moment our people will go to ground. We will stagnate, fall to infighting, and destroy one another in a desperate scrabble for that last crumb of bread. This hope shall wink out like a candle flame, and nobody will be around to unify the scattered remnants of humankind as they fade and the monsters who haunt our nights close in from the shadows unopposed. But we did not found this country by taking the safe road. And once here, we did not stay home and bar the door. We rode forth to discover what lay beyond our borders. And if we are to do that again, with the regrettable mistakes of our past in mind, so that we do not repeat them, then we must continue along these dangerous pathways. It is cooperation, not the taking of lands and resources by force, that will not only ultimately save us, but will prove that humanity was worth saving in the first place. I will not be here to assist you all much longer. The one who stands in my place when I lay down beside the road and can go no further must be a better leader than I am. They must inspire the people and be chosen as a leader by them through all our legal and fair means. And then they must safeguard the people, not just today, but tomorrow. And with you all by my side, 
I trust this individual will be found. We have, realistically, until the summer to start the campaign in earnest. Let's not wait that long. To your posts. Yes, yes sir! You have been listening to episode 13 of Arlington Remastered, The Imperative, written, edited, and directed by Alexander Shaw. Thomas W. Arlington and Ulysses S. Grant, performed by Alex Shaw. Sarah Arlington, performed by Maureen Foley. Truth Arlington, performed by Theo Lee. Jeremy Pines and Julius Kaufman, performed by Matt Wardle. Donald McTavish, performed by Derek Ritchie. Conrad Jacobson, performed by Spencer Lieb. Julia Grant, performed by Loretta Saylor. Fanfare for Space, Americana, and Battle Hymn of the Republic, performed by Kevin MacLeod of Incompetech.com. Make Your Decision by Dan Philipson of Shockwave Sound. Many soundscapes by Tabletop Audio. And Stone Spring Maidens is now available in paperback form on Amazon.com. And if you're on our Patreon at the $10 level or higher, then access to the ebook version is part of the bonus package you receive. The New Century Multiverse is funded by Patreon. Our $15 sponsors get credit every episode, so thank you too. Aaron Lecluse, Abel Savard, Alex Outridge, Angus Lee, Benjamin Hoffer, Brian Novak, Cassandra Newman, Chris Finnick, Christopher Wolfe, Kieran Dashler, Connor Kennedy, Dan Mayer, Daniel Salguero, Dan Hepner, Dave Hickman, David Sheely, Duran Barnett, Evan Jankowski, Finbar Nicole, Frankie Punzi, Greg Downing, Jameis Enright, Jesse Ferguson, Joe Gasiga, Joe Crow, Joel Robinson, Johan Clayson, Joseph Gluck, Kat Esman, Kevin Vahey, Lorraine Chisholm, Mark Luksch, Matthew A. Siebert, Matthew Webb, Michael Hasco, Scott Jacob, Sarah Montgomery, Tim Rosensky, Timothy Green, Toby Jungius, Tom Painter, Trey Contreras, and Valencia Burns. Mm-hmm.